All right, everybody. This is Phil Cavano from Monster Magnet. You're watching the Heavy Galaxy Show. Rock on. Galaxy Show back once again with another great episode for everyone this week. And today's guest, you'll know him as the vocalist from the legendary Blind album from the mighty Corrosion of Conformity. He's also fronted Stoner Rock Heavyweights Leadfoot, and he currently is handling lead vocals for the Skull Legions of Doom and his new band that he's here to talk about today, Lie Heavy. Yes, indeed, he is one busy guy these days, man. Mr. Cole Gill joins me today. Good to talk to you again, Cole. How are you, man? Hey, man, great to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, let's get to it, man. Burn to the Moon. The uh, the debut release from Lie Heavy, I mean, it's out now. And, man, an absolute stellar debut this is, man. You know, um, I was as I was just saying, you know, you've got a whole plate full of stuff going on right now, and we'll get on to that in a bit. But Lie Heavy, it consists of, obviously, yourself and, uh, you know, a slew of notable musicians, obviously, right from Raleigh there, North Carolina, including a few of your foreign bandmates within Leadfoot. Um, so let's start off, Carl. I guess talk about the formation of Lie Heavy. I mean, is this similar to what we're seeing a lot of these days when you guys had a lot of downtime maybe in the pandemic and you got together? Let's just talk about that. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Graham and I had been, you know, been playing on and off, obviously, since um, he joined Leadfoot back in like 1995, I think. Okay. So yeah, Graham mm -hmm. Fry, uh, who used to be in Confessor back in the day, the original lineup of the almighty kind of legendary heavy bands, you know, out of mm. North Carolina um, confessor. They were compatriots with corrosion. They were kind of a uh, gentle uh, rivals, you know, of each other. Mm. They, you know, mutually respected each other. And uh, he came out of that. And, um, you know, I knew him from some other bands, but then we uh, had him come in and become the guitar player for Leadfoot on the first two albums. Um, mm. And I've been writing with him ever since uh, on and off. He came, you know, we started jamming again together uh, and, um we just realized that there's a couple things that we wanted to do and to the to the songs that are actually on um this album on the bird of the moon album were actually written for leadfoot in mm. probably like 95 also 96 you know oh, and, wow yeah so nothing to steal first track and uh unbeliever later on in the album were actually written okay. for leadfoot but just didn't quite make it to the first album with um, with roadrunner Mm -hmm. And um, we're always there kind of back in the background and um, just uh, I don't, we were just kind of getting together and, and talking about stuff and wanting to revisit that and uh, maybe write some more stuff adjacent to that. And um, Leadfoot wasn't really doing anything that much, you know, just a couple of reunion gigs here and there. And we said, hey, uh, he'd been jamming with TR with, uh, on a side gig uh, for a band, with a band called uh, Deltoid. TR is the bassist. Okay. Um, 
to replace Phil Swisher later on mm-hmm. in Lightfoot. And uh, that we just decided, hey, let's let's get together and, and write some heavy shit. And um, uh, we joined up with JD, um, a really notable, amazing drummer here in uh, North Carolina. Been mm-hmm. a ton of bands. He Richard was a lot of heavy bands actually back in the day, including uh, The Point. Um, and uh, and that, this has been, I don't know, he's laundry list of bands, but the most notable of late was the Backsliders, kind of an alt Americana thing. Okay. And we just knew he was a heavy hitter. So we just all came together, started jamming. And then, of course, um, COVID kind of hit. You know, we've been coming up with songs and it kind of put things on a back burner, but we had a lot of material floating around. And uh, somehow we managed to write the ship after that and um, carry on. And that's this This is the result. So. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, and, and like I say, you know, what stands out to me, I mean, really what caught my ears right away is just. Like I said, it's just how good this record is. It's it's the fact that musically, musically, I mean, sure, it's got, you know, the stoner, doom, southern blues influences, you know, like you said, similar to what Leadfoot, you know, obviously uh, has done over the years, a lot of those 70s, you know, classic rock riffs and rhythms, but it's, it's not just another standard, you know, heavy rock album. I mean, there's a few excellent up-tempo tracks that I really love on the album, you know, When the Universe Cries, and and one of my favorites is Diabolic. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's really just such a well-balanced album musically. I mean, it's just got an array of about every type of heavy rock sound and style you can think of, including like punk and hardcore elements on this as well. Um, and I also just love the way the songs are placed on the record. You know, that's something that I think always is underrated when it comes to, you know, albums and the importance of song placement. And, and I, you know, I know we're living in a day right now where it's all about singles, everything's singles driven. But to me, this is a record that, you know, I think has to be heard from start to finish, to, you know, in one sitting to really understand what an awesome record it is. So, I mean, talk a little bit, I guess, about the musical direction on the record for the band. Was the plan to, like, incorporate a little of everything that you guys all enjoy and are influenced by over the years? Or Well, um, first off, I, w- I want to thank you for noticing the album sequencing. I, that's hugely important. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually sequenced... Um, I look at it as a set list and a narrative. It's got to happen. Yeah. I just grew up coming up with a, you know, in the, in the age before singles were the only thing, you know, um, is where an album was a journey. And mm. uh, I like the idea of it, of it taking you somewhere and bringing you in and, and like a well-written set list and holds your attention. And uh, I'm not sitting here just tooting my own horn, but I, I just, I think it's really hugely important. So I'm glad yeah. you get that vibe. And, and, um, that's that was a thing you know we thought about it and in terms of the varied nature of the songs i think it just uh reflects the fact i've always felt you know i don't have one emotion we don't have one emotion we have different feelings <laughs> happiness mm-hmm. sadness, yeah. you know uh rage uh despair whatever uh you know i don't know it is all, all it's the whole realm of things you can feel and 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 um all my favorite bands coming up, man, there was, you'd listen to a Stones record or a Who record or a Deep Purple record or a Sabbath record. And the songs weren't just one gear, you know, everybody, mm-hmm. there's different things going on. And I, I feel we, I reserve the right, we reserve the right to kind of just be musical, right? And just mm-hmm. do our thing. And I don't know if it's conscious effort. It's just kind of what's, you know, hey, this is, this is a cool song and it's mm-hmm. us doing it. So it's okay. It doesn't have to be. Um, that one guitar sound and that one riff, that one vibe, that one gear. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if that answers that. Uh, maybe yeah. 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely, yeah. And also the band, I, I really like the, the name of the band, Lie Heavy. I mean, it, it's it's really fitting, obviously, because, yeah, I mean, it, it like you said, it kind of sort of I, – I, how did you guys come up with that name? Like, who, you know, how did that come about? School name. I came up with that name just years okay. earlier just as, as just a, an idea of, of, of just – I always collect kind of words and little things like that, and sometimes they end up in songs. Sometimes they just don't go anywhere, but just from reading and – you know, thinking about stuff and, you know, it's just kind of like a doodle, you know, or a thought mm. that came together. And I was like, I like the idea of, of, of lie heavy, you know, even though, you know, it, it can, it works on a couple of different levels, obviously you can, sure. uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't want to have to interpret for anybody. I want people to kind of get reach their own conclusion. Whether own. It's not just about, Oh, we're, we're a heavy band or something like that. You know? mm -hmm. I totally. think it speaks to other things too. Sure. No, sure. And like I said, man, the music really just stands out on its own. It, it's just, it's amazing. And obviously now putting your vocals on, we'll talk about your vocals here. You know, just like the music vocally, you're very diverse on the record as well. I mean, obviously you've got, you know, your, your vintage style, that Carla Gell style that we all know from back in the day with COC and, and, and early days of Leadfoot. Um, you know, like you said, you brought up two tracks that, you know, that are right there, Unbeliever and Nothing to Steal. You know, obviously those are, you know, classic, songs that are sung in, in your you know style that everyone knows you for but on tracks like for instance like the long march i mean you 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 could still and you're showing you can still go pretty high man with your with your vocals because that's you know that's not easy to do at your age but i mean you can hit those high notes and it's real impressive and even on the the you know the track lie heavy i mean you've got some different inflections on that one as well you take a bit of a different approach you know uh, the way you deliver your vocal parts is that song as well. Um, so yeah, just like the music, your vocals are pretty diverse here too. So when it came to your vocal, you know, approach on the record, I mean, did you, I guess, intentionally adjust your, your sort of that style that you use, you, you know, people know you for, um, you know, intentionally, or is it just sort of what you were feeling and you just kind of rolled with it per song? I think this, the, 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 the latter is what you correct that, that it was just what I was feeling. And, um, it always sounds goofy to say these kinds of things, but it's it's an emotional record. I think there's a um, a lot more personal stuff in this record, and I was trying to reach for reach a little deeper into myself, maybe to to go for that. And, and like I said, it sounds so goofy to talk about that, but um, <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I think you know people can. I don't know, you know, maybe people don't have a chance, haven't had a chance to read the lyrics or whatever, or they haven't heard it yet, but. Uh, we're going to make those available soon, working on updating the band camp and, um, mm -hmm. and all the streaming uh, lyrical uh, things going on. So, but there's songs like drag the world's basically a song of, you know, of, of, of um, getting ditched, you know, my dad ditching the family when we were kids living in mm -hmm. Hong Kong, you know, <laughs> like, okay. you know? Mm -hmm. weird little things like that. But I, I want people to kind of interpret things uh, for themselves, you know? So, Mm -hmm. I think I think it's just a more more emotional record, you know. Okay. On a couple okay. levels, so that's it was just kind of trying to push myself to go a little further on certain places, you know. Sure. Well, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, yeah, because there's some things on here that I, I just haven't heard you do before, and I'm like, wow, it's really, you know. And we'll talk a little bit about it later because I know you've I've, I've noticed the same on some of the other things you've been doing too uh, lately in terms, you know, including the the Patriots and Black songs, uh, Legions of Doom, and so forth. So, um, 
But we'll talk about those bands in a little bit. I want to get into, obviously, the video now for the song Lie Heavy. Um, that is uh, one humorous, pretty damn funny uh, video you guys got out. It's almost like it's hard to sometimes focus on the music because you're just so ingrained into the to the actual you know video itself and how funny it is. I mean, how, you know, it's pretty self-deprecating, too, obviously. How did that all come about? And how did you get that classroom full of kids in there, too? That's that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah, of I, I was nowhere near them, actually. <laughs> okay. So, no. no um, <laughs> it was, uh, so, so the video was a concept that was dreamed up uh, by Kevin Dennis, our drummer's, uh, JD's brother. Okay. Uh, who is a professional uh, camera guy, videographer, has been working in, in Charlotte just a few hours from here. Mm -hmm. for a long time uh, involved with NASCAR and like ESPN and uh, I believe CNN and all kinds of like professional, like mm. legit avenues. And, and he's really got it together. And he approached the band and said, Hey, I'd love to make your first video. And uh, we were more than qualified. He was like a one man wrecking crew basically. And uh, he decided, uh, came up with this storyboard, presented it to us with these folders with with our out with you know with lie heavy on the front of the of the binders and we had a mm -hmm. meeting it was it was awesome and he spilled it out and then he shot like a storyboard like a little video storyboard with a little lego pieces uh -huh. with us you know, it was amazing <laughs> and then we actually went out and did it in in the span of like less than 48 hours and oh wow, okay it was a bunch of location shots um so yeah it's it's it I, you know we were on the ice. We had a red and ice rink. We were mm. at Duke University for the classroom. My wife's the school teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Miss uh. Alford. And, uh, uh, you know, just uh, the location shots. We actually went, the, the, the pool scenes were at a, 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 at a country club. There was actually a swim meet with like hundreds of kids going on in the background. It was, it was pretty funny. Wow. So. No, the whole idea was, yeah, it's pretty self-deprecating. It's it's not the most flattering video in that sense. But we said, you know what, fuck it. We just want to come out and and, and we're a bunch of older guys. We're like, let's, you know, we we realize, you know, we're not a bunch of spring chickens, but mm -hmm. you know, we want to make people pay attention and have a laugh, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the lyrics of the song have nothing to do with the trajectory it's of the video. The it's video, just a vibe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's to an kind of an homage to the you know a tribute to the old school uh uh glory days of mtv you know the metal mm -hmm. band in the classroom and the, mm -hmm. the stupidness of it you know yeah no it's so, a fun video yeah it's a fun yeah, video it's fun. It, you know what i mean yeah. it was really really well done I, I'm, I'm super happy that he did it I, i'm really proud of it um but you know it, it's just it, it's an attention grabber but um and then it's just you know life's too short you gotta you gotta have a laugh you know yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's like I said. It's we're, we're going to put it in this. Uh, we'd include it in this interview so everyone I can check it out too. Yeah. To
Awesome. Well, Carl, let's 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 dig back here. Let's go into your history a little bit here. Um, yeah. From the start here, I, I want to talk about you know the early beginnings. You know when you were um, in the Connecticut hardcore thrash scene back in the day. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of part of the '80s, uh, you fronted a band, and it's album cover right behind me here, uh, "School of Violence," and the album "We the People." Now that record came out on Death Records. Uh, crossover, like I said, thrash city every there of uh, Metal Blade back in the late 80s. And there was another little band on Death Records as well, right around the same time doing the hardcore crossover thing, of course, that was uh, that helped obviously catapult the heavy rock genre in the early 90s. That, of course, was Corrosion of Conformity. Um, so I mean, I'm going to sue. I mean, did, did that have anything to do with, with Woody and Reed at the time recruit you to come on board for? To join COC, I mean, talk about how you wound up getting that gig originally. Well, actually, it goes back a little further than that. So I was in the okay. Connecticut hardcore scene, and from 83 to 87, I was uh, singing for a band called Seizure mm -hmm. uh, out of out of the southern Connecticut hardcore scene. Mm -hmm. And we were very much uh, like a, um, a brother-sister scene to uh, the New York City hardcore scene Did and the Jersey hardcore scene, and, and we always mm -hmm. interacted and played and moved fluidly through those scenes. And uh, it was just a great, amazing time getting to see bands from all over the world literally coming through Stanford, Connecticut, and then you know, seeing shows at CBs and mm -hmm. Rock Hotel and the Ritz and Irving Plaza and on and on and on, all the different venues. Um, so I came out of that scene and, and did an EP and uh, different releases and compilations with that band. And uh, at, during that time in 85, uh, up in Enfield, Connecticut, um, we actually, on the Animosity Tour, Seizure opened up for COC. Okay. Um, and we kind of we just maintained a friendship with them. And, and um, I saw them play a bunch of times at the Anthrax, at CBs, and, and New York, all around that area, mm -hmm. uh, even including the Technocracy lineup. And then they just kind of fell off. They stopped playing. Mm. And uh, I, I moved on from seizure in 87. I moved on and joined uh, School of Violence in New York City. Mm. Um, and that was just had nothing to do with the COC connection at all. At that point, uh, it was just me joining that band. I was in that band for just about a year to the album. Oh, OK. And then um, decided to move on. And uh, not that much later, I was in another band of no consequence, just a, a project for a minute or two after that. I saw an ad in, in the old days before the internet, there was uh, classified ads. Sure, I know. <laughs> and uh, there was actually an ad in the Village Voice Classifieds, and it said, uh, Corrosion for me, uh, Singer Wanted, cross between, oh, wow. cross between uh, Ian Gillen, Alice Cooper, and HR was one of the, and they did wow. it across between Headfield, this and this and this. And I, wow. I saw it twice, and I was like, wow, is this real? <laughs> and I had mutual friends um, and checked in with them and they said, yeah, it's legit. And mm. I said, fuck it. And we got connected and Reed came up with his girlfriend and the band manager, Karen Mason at the time. And uh, Beth, they came up and met me up in Stanford, Connecticut. And then again, we met in New York City. And, uh, you know, they, they saw that I was legit and I was ready to go. And I I just actually finished was finishing my my little undergraduate degree at uh, SUNY Purchase. Oh, wow, you went to Purchase? Okay, yeah, yeah. Purchase, I went there. Yeah, and then mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and then, uh, I'm educated. So I, I uh, <laughs> no, and then I um, we had this thing where, and they they said, come on down and do you know uh, we, they sent me a bunch of songs, and one of them 
which was buried um, the demo version of buried which is on the blind album mm -hmm. and i came up with lyrics to that and vocal melodies and they were the same ones that ended up on the record so i came down and did a live audition and i got the gig against the back and it was in may of 89. okay so it's kind of this just you know we we just had mutual friends and it worked out and uh, nice mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. you know i did my run with them and that was cool you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, the purchase, yeah. You ever hang out in those tunnels and purchase there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, remember those things? Yeah. I, I, I had a buddy that went to one time to visit, so I remember yeah, that. Yeah, good old Sydney purchase, man. Yeah, it's a fun place, man. Um, so, I mean, I, what I want to know is how did they know that, you know, did Woody and Reed know that you could sing like you do, considering the fact that School of Violence obviously was not known for its. You know, I'm sure Seizure too wasn't known for its harmonies and melodic vocals. No, you're right. You're thrash right. Fed. Yeah. So I yeah, didn't know you could sing, man. I was steeped in that kind of, uh, you know, I came up loving those bands. And, you know, I love Cal from Discharge and, and you know, mm -hmm. Levy and, you know, Kronos from Venom and, you know, and uh, Tom from Jeep uh, Warrior from, you know, Self uh, Frost. Self mm -hmm. Frost and all these other bands. I was like, you know, all about the growl and the, the rage. Mm -hmm. You know, uh -huh. but then all along, I was like, I, you know, I can actually sing, too. And I said, you know, fuck it. I'm going to try. <laughs> I was realizing I was probably going to tear my throat out if I kept uh, going that way. In fact, uh -huh. on the School of Violence uh, album uh, that, that's up there behind you, my it didn't say Carl Vogel, it says Carl Throat. Throat, yeah. I said see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think I, I think you know. There's moments where I sang earlier, but uh, I just was. I don't know. I was just like, this is gonna work. Mm -hmm. I was just ready. Somehow, this happened. Wow, man, that's pretty impressive, man. Now, Blind, of course, you know, obviously that was the rebirth of the band in '91. I mean, you, Pepper, and Phil were obviously all new to the band, and the hardcore thrash sound was the crossover sound was. You know, it was kind of like coming to sort of a. It's it's I'm say end, but you know it wasn't as you know obviously in the onset in the '90s when all the grunge was out and everything was starting to kind of slow down. You know everything was getting a little more mid tempo and not yeah. so not so fast. It was getting groovy too. Um, and I know Blind. I mean Blind. I, I believe is the biggest selling album of the band's career to date, if, if I'm correct. But um, but, I, but what? Don't, an go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, but but an interesting time really for you to join the band. During a, you really had musical transition, obviously for them. I mean, you you obviously, like I said, you came from that same background they did. Um, but you know, I mean, like I said, a lot of bands at that time were changing their styles. They were transitioning, obviously, and a lot of the bands, those you know, crossover bands and thrash bands, they didn't survive the '90s really. I mean, they really it was difficult. I mean, metal was really not something people were embracing as much, obviously, in the '90s. Um, but so that's what I think makes it really so kind of unique in your situation was that, you know, you guys were able to thrive during a time when most of those bands were, you know, not doing well at all. And a lot of them called it quits really at the dawn of the nineties. So, I mean, in your opinion, I mean, I mean, when you guys, you know, the fact that you guys were successfully transitioning, unlike a lot of others, I mean, was it, did it have to do maybe because you guys had that, that sort of Southern groove and, you know, Pantera was big at that time with the same sort of groove. They were really the only metal band that was really kind of blossoming at the time. I mean, what what do you think made allowed you guys to be successful in your transition when a lot of other bands weren't able to? I mean, what's your what's your I thoughts? I think I think it was that we were really looking at it from a big picture, just a song and music for, musical perspective, rather than trying to imitate anything. You okay, know? I think we were taking mm -hmm. a, a maybe a tougher path because I know the band lost some fans. 
initially too along the way sure and, and you know I, I think some people saw me as some kind of heavy metal carpet bagger even though i came out of the mm. hardcore scene you know like <laughs> oh i moved down here in north carolina and turned them into a metal band or something yeah. i'm like man I, they were wanted me to sing for them and they also were into heavy stuff not just hardcore they were into metal and, and all and lots of different stuff and mm-hmm. it goes back to what i said earlier when i was talking you know it's like it's all about the song and all mm-hmm. about um just bringing in you know your version of it and uh whether that you know is sabbath or black flag or whatever it is or or something completely you know could be jimmy cliff i don't know be, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. i'm just saying it could be anything sure and mm-hmm. you're bringing to it just emotionally or, or sonically, melodically, uh, riff-wise. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I think it was the whole idea. Of, it was just the the songs are more important than, um, uh, you know, being strictly within the guardrails of of, of a genre or a, or, mm-hmm. or an idea of a genre. One mm-hmm. thing that we had going for us though in the early '90s was that there was a lot of bands that were different like look at sound what Soundgarden was doing and faith no more and mm-hmm. bands that kind of had one foot in one thing and I, I used to love that you could go see a tour like Soundgarden, Voivod and faith no more you could yeah go, you know bands there were really cool mixed bills and that was a Lollapalooza was happening I thought the early ones were really positive in that way they just mixed it up it didn't matter mm-hmm. you know so I yeah. think I think there was a lot of open-mindedness at that time and I I think the band survived it, you know, um, to some extent because it just said, "Hey, we'll we'll tra- be just transcendent and go our own way." You know. Yeah, sure. Now, how much you know? Pr- I mean, I guess uh, you know. You kind of just alluded to a bit, you know, being the, the now the singer who came in and. You know, I mean, was there, I guess, a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but I mean, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you're the new now vocalist, lead vocalist from a already well-respected band that was now in the process of changing its sound. Um, even though you weren't the only new member at the time, but the fact that you, because you're the singer, obviously you're the front man, I'm sure you were going to probably get a lot of the scrutiny or the brunt of the blowback from the a lot of the old school fans, you know, because it's always easy just to bring the same. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the perception is like, hey, it's not the same thing anymore. And it's just like, yeah, it's not. You know, we're not, we're all mm. growing up and into different shit, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I didn't take it personally. I really didn't because, you know, people are just going to, people are going to be like that. People are, mm. a lot of people fear change in general. Yeah. That's point. a human condition. I think that's also mm-hmm. beyond just, uh, being a music fan is people's like, Hey, I want my cereal with the same stuff in it. I want my, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I don't like it different. I'm used to this, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, I think it's more of a, just a human reaction. I, I, for all the people that were, there were people that even in the hometown, especially like, Oh, you know, I, these guys are sellouts or it's different. And, mm. you know, it just, it, over time, it just didn't matter because it, it was either, you know, you can't be for everybody all the time, you know? Yeah. That's and also just to stay in one place, of course it can't be the same. It's not the same people, you know? That's true too. Yeah. The same moment in time. There's not the same mm. zeitgeist. There's not the same pushes and pulls. So mm. um, it is what it is, man. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So let's get in out to Leadfoot. You know, I know, um, you know, after you and, and Phil Swisher, you know, departed COC, Obviously, you both joined Led. Uh, you joined together to form Leadfoot, uh, and you released the band's debut, bringing on in '97. Now, I want to ask you something in, in regards to that record and its release here in the states. 
which I know like we were saying before, you guys were originally signed, you know, to Roadrunner here. And I remember I was actually working at Roadrunner at that time. Uh, I was interning there. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, my brother, my brother, you know, uh, he used to go down to North Carolina uh, from New York to visit a friend that we were just talking about before. That we both have uh, Ray. We'll give a shout out to Ray Dewey right there. Um, but he came back. You know, he came up, came back up to New York, uh, and he was like, "Hey, man, you know, I was hanging out with, uh, you know, the old guys from from COC. It was, you know, um, Carl and Phil, and you know, they said they got this band that's on Roadrunner." And I'm like, "Really?" He's like, "Yeah, Leadfoot." So I was like, "Oh man, I wasn't seeing anything in the office at all about Leadfoot. I didn't see any CDs, or I just saw nothing." And I said, "Man, I, I don't. Okay, I, I'm looking around. I don't see nothing. Then maybe like a month later, or so I saw some CDs in there." Um, and I remember too, I think High Time was on one of their compilations, like a summer compilation thing, I think, as well. Um, but I never saw anything in there. Not too long after that, obviously, you know, I know the music cartel picked up the record. Talk about that that whole situation with Road Order. That must have been just such a it I guess was, a buzzkill, man. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, it was really, I would say, really fucking disappointing, you know. But yeah, I'm sure we had high hopes, we signed with them. We spent six weeks in LA at Grandmaster Recorders. Hollywood recording that album, the, you know, back in the mm. old analog studio. That's what was going on. And mm. had a, a, a Eli Ball producing it. He had worked with, uh, you know, Kyle uh, and Floodgate. Kyle, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. And, um, you know, and we put a lot into it. Um, uh, you know, great sounding record. We had scored Motorhead's management, Singerman Entertainment. Mm. We had um, Fair Warning with the biggest booking agent in Europe. Like all this stuff was lining up. We were supposed to be on um Ozfest and all the shit and then just uh, the album came out literally four or five star you know awesome reviews across the board and Kerrang and rip and all those magazines in europe that were loving mm. and for some fucking reason roadrunner said we're not feeling it we're not hearing your two rock and roll we're more interested in cold chamber we're more interested in mm. this and that no offense to those guys i'm just saying sure. that you know and then once they this they said I was like what it's getting really good buzz man and they're like nope we're dropping wow. you and it was right before Christmas and uh, so the management guys were like well there's nothing to manage now so they backed out and the booking people and, and then the drummer and the one guitar player said well I guess it's over and they quit so oh wow it was just one of those things and um, you know I I don't know man we had kind of a left foot always had kind of a black cloud in terms of something would always go wrong. It's, we would, we would try so hard, you know, we, we, uh, we'd commit a lot to it and, and, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, it just, they backed out and I still have not gotten a clear answer. I've got my theories, but I, I don't want to go off, <laughs> but I think it's in general. They just, they at that time, um, there was a lot of other vibes. There was that, uh, fans like Cole chamber. And then they were, really slipped out after that you know yeah yeah it was uh, we were just not fitting the mold or something mm -hmm. you know? well they yeah they were really new metal i you know kind of sounding at the time i remember when i first heard you know bring it on it was like this is a, a different album from the put out i know they were in you know they they had signed a bunch of stoner bands like you said floodgate was one of them that was on roadrunner you know i know karma to burn i guess maybe they were feeling out the sound and and just yeah, I, I just was was you know shocked too because you know to me that was such really that was a record bringing on for me personally 
that's I was really uh, all about metal and hardcore at that time. I was younger, obviously, and, and, and you know, full of piss and vinegar. But that was really one that kind of got me out of my comfort zone of that sound. You know, it, it had that vintage Southern classic rock, you know, sound to it. And it wasn't something I was, you know, into at the time. I, you know, grown up with all that stuff. But I remember, you know, putting that record on a few, like, after one full spin, it was like, well, it, it just really caught on to me. And I loved it. And uh, yeah, I, I was just always so disappointed that nothing happened with that record, you know, yeah. for you guys, because it was, it really was from top start to finish. I thought a, a, an outstanding record. And, and like I said, it must have just really sucked. Like you said, just, just it, the, the momentum, you know, derails that momentum, man. And, and that's just got to be, you know, to get that momentum back. I mean, do you feel like the band, I mean, obviously you, you guys put out two more records after that, but did you feel like you ever, that just kind of deflated, not deflated, it, but. It, it, no, it, it made things a lot, a lot harder. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, like I said, we lost some of the, the, the band band guys, you know, we lost the drummer, John and, and Ryan, mm -hmm. they took off and they, and, you know, but no beef with them. It's just, they felt like they couldn't carry on. And, but we got, you know, we got Tim Heisman, one of the best drummers I've ever played with, um, for, mm -hmm. you know, on, on, you know, no offense to my current drummer or drummers, but, uh, you know, Tim came on board and uh, Scott Little came on board um, and we picked ourselves up and we did it. We were the, with the music cartel. Sure. The, the budget was 13 times less, I think, nah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was what it was, you know, and we, we tried mm. We we booked uh, uh, some massive dates, mostly in Europe, uh, which now 20 years later seems to have been paid off because when I was over there, um, I'm just, digressing here a little bit but mm -hmm. i was over there with the skull i've been over there twice uh in the last within the, la the last year mm -hmm. and uh people came up to talk to me more about leadfoot than they did coc it was really wow. interesting and, cool. you know the, the, the first show in germany the one promoter he's like came up to me and says you know i like i love the skull but I really love lead foot. <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, oh, my God. What? Are you uh, funny? No, uh, you know, it was great. It was funny. That's it's cool. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, I, I mean, it was amazing, actually. The people were pulling out old, you know, lead foot merch and, 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 and mm. vinyl and CDs and shit. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get this? So I was signing those over there. So, but, so it was interesting to say, to hear that we had, we had, we really uh, put a lot of effort in, especially over there, to make things happen. And then, you know, two decades later, people noticed. So, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, like you said, yeah. it's uh, so people were. I mean, even though maybe it didn't, you know, happen the way you wanted to, there were still people that were obviously feeling it and, and loving no, it. Okay. And, well, know, I was yeah. told you are part of the second original Stoner Wave. Oh, there you like, go. Okay. okay, I'll take that. I don't know. <laughs> All kidding aside, it's great. Sure. Um, to know that people were, were into it back then and are still into it. So who mm -hmm. knows? Maybe Lightfoot might do some dates over there, you know. Oh, okay. And talk to us about maybe doing some festivals, but oh, we'll nice. see. who knows? Yeah. But um, yeah, so Lightfoot was a my baby, my 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 uh we're not ever officially over. We reserve the right to kind of make it okay. every once in a while. Okay, cool. You know, but um and we actually there's a bunch of unreleased stuff um that we we're sitting on too. Okay. Um, that we could actually either re-record or release raw demo form. Oh, okay. So that might be a cool thing, a collectible thing. I don't know, but um, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's yeah. been some talk with different people of possibly reissuing those albums too. Oh, so, wow. okay. So, yeah, take a look was done for the music cartel, and then mm. um, we parted company with them for not. It was just a mutual thing, and then we signed with uh, Abstract and um, 
Luna, specifically out of Sweden. Okay. And did we drink for free with yet again a, a slightly different lineup? Mm -hmm. Graham had left, and we got Johnny Zoo back on guitar. And um, and it's a great album. It was recorded at the Southern Culture on the Skid Studio in Mebbin, North Carolina. You know, there are uh, the band Southern Culture down here is a huge, you know, um, cool band. Mm -hmm. And uh, amazing uh, engineer Mark Williams who worked on lots and lots of big projects, and it's a great sounding record that once again barely saw the light of day because mm -hmm. um, the mastering process screwed up the release and oh, uh, it was recalled before it even really came out. You know, jeez, really, we had to, like bootleg the record. Anyway, oh, it was man. one thing after another. You know? Man, so, wow. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. Well, is that a reason why? Because I know after the you know the last Leadfoot record, we drink for free. Uh, I, I don't think really heard much, at least on a, you know, maybe locally there, but at least, you know, uh, domestically, really hear much from you for a while I, until I know you were doing the COC blind thing with Reed uh, for yeah, some shows. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, we, we got together and we demoed and worked on some stuff. And there was different versions of that, of that of Leadfoot during that period, you know, after from 2004 on. Okay. Um, but um, Graham Fry, Scott Little, and TR – uh, to those guys who are lie heavy, mm -hmm. uh, actually Scott's in the skull now. Um, mm -hmm. um, we we carried on. We tried. We just tried to make it work, and it's never kind of caught fire, you know. Okay. Just and, mm -hmm. you know, getting older, people, their jobs. You know? Sure. <laughs> mm, yeah, real life getting in the way. Yeah, yeah of course. Life. But um, yeah, you know, it's, like I said, it's it, there's still some stuff floating around, and, and we reserve the right to do it whenever. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, there you yeah. go. Sure, absolutely. And then, of course, now, like you said, you, you came back, yeah, about what, 2000, I believe, 15 uh, was when you kind of really made a, a strong return. Obviously, you appeared on the Teenage Time Killers record that we put out, correct? Right. Yeah. And then also, obviously, you had another very impressive, I mean, local band there, King Hitter. You know, that was a really cool EP that you put out um, back then, too. I mean, so what, I mean, so obviously, you were still going, though. You never really stopped. At least up here, right? I mean, you wasn't like right. you were like, all right, I'm done. I'm, you know, I'm going to take a break for a while, but right. right, yeah. So, but that King Hitter record was solid too. Talk about about that. What whatever happened with with that? Well, that yeah, we came together. I think it was like 2013, 2014. We came together and then and recorded that, and it came out in 2015, early 2015. Um, mm -hmm. Five song EP. Yeah, um, we were really proud of it. Uh, looking to do more. Um, and then at the same time, I was doing the COC Blind thing. I did some mm -hmm. shows with Reed. And, you know, most notable thing was the month out with uh, Open for Death Angel and, and Cavalier Conspiracy, mm -hmm. from oh, yeah. Coast, which That's was right. awesome. That's Those saying, guys yeah. were treated us so well. Um, and, and Reed was still hitting super hard and doing well and in a mm -hmm. good place. And I also was pulled in for the Teenage Time Killers thing with a, me singing and Dave Grohl on bass, him, him on drums. and mcmurphy mm -hmm. on, on guitar like and ended up actually doing a sold out show at the fonda theater in um september of 2015 and then that album oh, okay we were looking to do more and for whatever reason um there was no more shows we were i thought mm -hmm. london was going to happen i thought some other places was going to happen but it, it just you know didn't work out yeah well it's tough so, i mean i mean to do a live show too with that with that many different guests must have you know it's got to be challenging. I would and, think. you know, it was, yeah, yeah I get no. it was challenges for, I know, for Reed and Mick and uh, yeah. Derek and Mace and, yeah, and, and people, you know, like they had to play the whole show, but it was easy for me. I w w walked up and played like three songs, you know, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know like, hey, yeah. bye, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was kind of a cool festival vibe in that way. 
you know. Okay. Yeah. We're like a house band with all these different front men, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a really cool moment. Um, I thought things were gonna go well for King Hitter. Um, it just the, the lineup. I think part of the lineup was kind of threatened by the fact that the COC stuff was going on. Not happy about that. So, you know. I don't want to get into name naming names of who wanted to do what and who was upset. It just made it. I thought it would. I thought the rising tide would lift all ships, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I think some of the guys, the band, were a little felt a little put off that that I was in a, in a couple of different projects. Ah, uh, okay, okay. But I'm not like I said. I'm gonna name names. It just sure. so King Hitter. We tried to carry on as well, uh, and then again, just we had lineup changes. Um, Scott and I kept trying. Um, you know, it was. The two the two guitar players, uh, Scott and, and Mike Brown, were also doing the COC blind thing, so that made it easier. Okay, for a while, but mm-hmm. um, it just somehow there would just be an element of this or an element of that, and it's we just couldn't keep it going. Mm. Yeah, we tried. I don't know okay. what. Sure. I don't know. You know, it just you're a bunch of adults, and then somebody has a problem. It's like, and it just snowballs from there. It, yeah, you know? mm-hmm. it's it. You know, rock and roll. There's a music in general like bands it's it's the team dynamic or lack of mm. the team mm-hmm. you know Good point. It, it can make or break things and it is it, it can go to hell in a handbasket in any given moment you know true yeah it's true i mean you, you think as you get older too maybe those things stop you know happening but it, it's it doesn't unfortunately it's still well, you I know think as we get older we suffer fools less you know what i mean like true yeah yeah when mm-hmm. that's, i know that i got to the point where like am i really going to put up with this at this point in my life, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm feeling like this, you know what? Fuck it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's kind of different if you're in a band together and you're like 22 years old, you know, and you, you just, you know, your drinking team or whatever it is. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, you, know, uh-huh. but, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it is, you know. But I, it is, you know, sometimes things work, sometimes they don't, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I've always felt uh, I, I've had to keep going somehow, and right now it feels really good. Well, yeah, I mean, right now, let's get into that. I mean, like I was saying earlier, I mean, you've jumped back in, in, into this, I mean, with with a full vengeance here. So not only do you have Lie Heavy firing on all cylinders, but you've also got now, let's talk about Legions of Doom. I know you guys just played uh, some shows uh, this summer. You get, did some European shows and some festivals. That obviously, Legions of Doom obviously features members and ex-members of Trouble, St. Vitus, and The Skull. Like you mentioned before, your old bandmate Scott Little from Leadfoot is also in the band as well. And it's a band that pays just for the people out there that don't know that it pays tribute, you know, to some of the, I mean, obviously first and foremost, the great Eric Wagner, the late great Eric Wagner of uh, oh, trouble yeah. and the skull. Um, and of course, you know, there's obviously a couple other guys from, from uh, Armando Acosta, Mark Adams from St. Vitus Reed, of course, from COC. So you guys are all honoring them with, with legions of doom, um, which is great. And uh, so, I mean, now for, for you, obviously, you know, you're, you're filling in, for Eric now back in the early nineties, when you were in COC, obviously trouble was doing really well themselves. They put a few records out on American recordings, with Rick Rubin. So, I mean, did you, so did you know those guys, Ron and, you know, holes and everything from, from back in the days that how you guys back, connected? That's what brought us all okay. together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been friends with him for, you know, like, you know, 30 years or whatever, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, or whatever it is. Uh, you know, I, I, I used to go see those guys. Um, we would, we would, Sometimes we our paths would cross, and we would come into their shows. They'd come see us and hang out. Um, when we were opening up for Iron Maiden, and we uh, we parked our tour bus 
and it's a CSD. When we uh, we mm. in front of uh, Ron and Bob, uh, Bob, uh, Ron's brother's mom's house where they were staying, mm. and had a couple of days off, and and I, you know, we had jam sessions with with some trouble guys, some CSC guys. I remember doing like jailbreak in the practice space with them. Oh, nice. <laughs> Barry was in the band. He was so hungover. I, I wish I still had the pictures of him puking into a little Halloween bucket. I don't know oh. how we. <laughs> you know, so, you know, no, I'm just saying we were really good friends. Like, and mm -hmm. and um, Ron's my brother. Uh, you know, known. I you know I used to go see Trouble back in the day. I, I Eric would invite me up to sing. I remember singing Helter Skelter. Uh, you know, with with him together mm -hmm. when they were up there for Danzig and Raleigh at the you know, nice. just just awesome guys. And and uh, mm -hmm. I was a huge golf fan. And then you know, obviously. Um, a weird thing is the, the first lie heavy show that was going to happen uh, at the poor house in Raleigh was actually opening up for the obsessed and the skull. Oh, wow. And okay. That's when we, the skull didn't show up and we ended mm. up in the show with just the obsessed, our very first gig. And then realizing mm. that there was not going to, that Eric was not going to leave Dallas. And then he in fact died. Mm. So they, they, they were, that was, and then I, from that show or somewhere around that show, I, I also caught a breakthrough case of COVID. Oh, I survived it. Mm. And then, you know, got word when I, that he died when I was laying in quarantine at home here in this mm. house. Excuse me. And uh, anyway, it was awful. Just absolutely fucking awful. A huge loss. Amazing yeah. vocalist, lyricist, uh, just a, a total icon. Um, and um, somewhere in the neighborhood of about nine months later, uh, I got uh, Ron reached out to me, Ron mm -hmm. Holzer, and, and said, "Hey, um, I didn't think I was going to play again. I didn't think I, I wanted to carry on, but I'm sitting here and I was thinking I want to do a, a tribute show, and I was hoping maybe you could come up and, and sing the part, you know, Eric's parts, and we can say goodbye to him in, in Chicago." <clears throat> and I was like, literally, I still tear up when I think about it. He reached out to me. I was. Mm -hmm. holy shit those are some canoe sized shoes to fill yeah in. it's absolutely you know i was like oh my god really yeah i'm honored and terrified but uh, <laughs> yeah it's no, a big, I, I, big I'm task still yeah blown, i'm still blown away so i uh no i ended up doing that show and it was uh really well received and it was done respectfully and uh eric's kids and ex-wife were out there and his girlfriend and, wow. and old old friends of his family and fans at Reggie's and and uh, with mm -hmm. a banner him hanging up over the stage, basically, and I, it was just an incredible vibe, and and I I felt welcome to it, and I said, hey, let's do another one, <laughs> another show in another part of, of you know of Chicago, another section of Chicago there, and people came out to that, and they said, hey, uh, let's do Europe, you know, let's wow. go and do do some shows over there. And I was like, okay, yes, I, I will do it, you know. Mm -hmm. So and then we that was this past November uh, uh, 2022, um, Europe. But we did Germany and stuff, shown Austria, and it was incredibly well received. And again, I was terrified that that the fans uh, would would say, "Hey, you're no Eric," and blah blah mm -hmm. blah. They, they were like, "No, Eric is smiling." It's one of the things somebody That's said. That's awesome. And That's uh, great. I'm still like, "Holy, I can't believe it!" You know. So, um, <clears throat> no, it's an honor to be a part of that, and it. And, and Legions of Doom. So the skull is straight up the skull. And mm -hmm. spinoff thing is Legions of Doom is me and also um, the amazing Scott Riegers of St. Michael. Yeah. Um, no, so yeah, 
so all these you know guys who are amazing um lozar and mm-hmm. um, you know, and then um bringing scott in who's obviously a known quantity of that played with for a long time no, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's super cool so we're looking at hopefully writing uh a new record uh so it'll be um I, i'm not sure exactly how it's going to uh, happen and sp- fill out up you know but i think it's going to be part my vocals part rieger's vocals we're working on it so yeah that's really cool yeah ron yeah, was telling us yeah, he was talking when we talked to him a couple months ago. He was telling us you guys were going to do some original stuff, and then now also with the skull, you said you're also you know, now, now you're the. It's just you singing for the skull, correct? That's correct. You, yeah. you're taking that. Okay, now what's going on with the skull? Are you guys uh, in the process of doing the same thing? Maybe writing some new music? Yeah, yeah it is. It's yeah. in the works. It's just you know, like anything else. Where the, the difficulty with not a difficulty, but the challenge, I should say, is that um, two of the guys live in Chicago. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. One guy lives in Dallas and two of us live in North Carolina. So mm, yeah. Get together to jam is always a little bit, uh, stuff. Yeah. Like challenge, I mean, you know, we make it happen and we, we, you know, we're into it. So, you know, plus there's modern technology, so we can send shit back and forth, you know? So sure. Now yeah. I mean, now I want to ask you, how, how have you been able to really make, you know, maintain, the, your pipes now all these years i mean i mean it's because like i said you don't want to hear you singing those those high notes it's you know it's uh the, the fact that you're still pretty much singing at the same level you, you were back in the day that's pretty impressive How, i mean is there something that you do to take care of your voice or is this just, just you just lucked uh, out <laughs> booze and there you go <laughs> <laughs> What I do is a huge rail of blow, and I drink half a gallon of whiskey. <laughs> right. I'm just kidding. Not at all. No, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I, I think it just. You know what my mom says? My mom says, "Well, you're built more like an opera singer now." Oh, leave it to mom, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stop the truth. <laughs> no, uh, so <laughs> I just throw that in there. It'll, yeah, um, part of it is just I think I'm just lucky in the sense I, I know my well not luck necessarily but I know my instrument better. I've been okay. doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to relax a little bit and not push so hard and and uh, okay. You know, I don't know. I don't think there's I don't have any kind of uh, Carl's method. You know, I I, I don't. I think it's just okay. uh, just kind of happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's no special regime that I follow. Um, I don't have any special vocal exercises or anything like that. I think okay. I just, I'm just really into it. Okay. <laughs> you just dig deep and, and it's a, there. I, huh? dig deep, I feel it. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the uh, nodes on my vocal cords have calcified into the right place. <laughs> at this, uh-huh. And the calluses and the tears <laughs> are just mm-hmm. in the right spot. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I really, I would be, Totally full of shit. If I was like, yeah, I do this and I follow this, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just don't. Just I'm just going for it. Feeling that's it. awesome. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, you know, now that you've now, you know, called release, you know, I guess, I guess you could say you've established really a resurgence in your musical career because you were so you're doing so much stuff right now. With all these projects, you know, when we were talking to Ron, you know, he said something I think speaks for a lot of veteran musicians who continue to keep you know their feet entrenched in these music business waters. As he said, he said, I, you know, he's like, you know, we're old. What else, what else are we going to do? You know, except for play, continue and play, enjoy music, which is like, yeah, it's true. It makes sense. Right. So, I mean, do, are there any goals or any bucket list sort of endeavors that you have as an artist, as a, a vocalist, or is it simply just what Ron was referring to? You're just doing it 
going with the flow and doing it for the love of it. I, I would like to learn how to master TikTok. <laughs> well, yeah, good luck with that, right? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. If, if I could just uh, become 13 years old again. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, honestly, the world, I, I, I am just now coming to grips with so many facets of self-promotion and social media and mm, yeah it's just incredible so yeah what, what's an old guy to do but keep rocking you know he's right ron it's just like hey you know mm. we might not be the prettiest but i think i think we know a lot of stuff you know mm. and and uh that kind of experience and we have a take on things and mm. um you know we, we we we've seen a lot of good people come and go obviously uh lost a lot of friends and mm. I guess part of it just uh, makes me want to stay in the fight more, you know. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. It just motivates me to keep going and 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 prove that it's never over till it's over, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you look at someone like Lemmy, man, to the bitter end, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. One of the mm -hmm. my heroes, the one of the greatest, sure. you know, Lemmy. Absolutely. You know? Mm -hmm. Or a lot of other old timers, but but people just you know never say never, never say die, just go for it, you know. Mm -hmm. nice. um, so I think I'm just, like I said, I think I'm singing better than I ever have or, or as well as I ever have. And, mm -hmm. and um, still got a lot of uh, shit to be angry about and happy about. And, and uh, a lot of, there's a lot of motive, motivation out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, I'll talk to you real quick, too, about another project you're involved with. Like I said, it's just it's endless here with you. Uh, that's, of course, Patriarchs in Black, uh, you know, with Riffmaster Dan Lorenzo and Johnny Kelly. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I know you lent your vocals, obviously, a few tracks on the band's first record, and then the next record, which is coming out in October, you've done so again. You've got a couple of songs, I believe, that you're on as well. So tell us what you've done this time around with uh, Patriarchs in Black. Uh, it's actually for the new album. It's just one song. Just one song? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were hoping to do more, and, and part of that is uh, I just couldn't get to some of it, honestly. Okay. And, uh, and, and that sounds awful, but like, we decided, look, I'll do this one song, and I'll do it. I'll do this one well, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, there's lots and lots of great singers all over that thing. So that's the cool yeah. part about the Patriarchs thing is you get to hear all different uh, versions with with kind of like a Teenage Time Killers thing where you have this bass, mm -hmm. you know, of, 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 of Kelly Lorenzo, mm -hmm. you know, uh, not bass. I mean, you know, bass is a B-A-S. Sure, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, the foundation, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, a bunch of different people doing it. Um, so no, it's just cool, man. Dan Dan's a machine. He's a real. Oh yeah, guy. he's he's, uh, and he, and to talk about a guy who says never says die, like talk about a guy that is mm. will never ever give up, going mm. for it, bringing it. Um, yeah, he, he's awesome, and Johnny Kelly's amazing, and all there's so many other great players like Dave and and, and uh, you know, Doggy Doggy Beat, you know, mm -hmm. Dog, and all, you know, all these other players. So, um, no, it's just awesome. Um, I did, uh, yeah, the last time I did uh, three and a half tracks, basically. I, I did a, I did three solo and then one that I shared with mm -hmm. John Costco this day morning. On this new one, I, I do a song called Dead or Dying. Okay. It's going to be the first single. Oh, yes. Oh, fantastic. I think so. So, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. I think you and Johnny are competing to who's who's got the most projects going on, you know, in, in their <laughs> career right now, man. You guys are both super busy. So let's get back real quick. I'm going to lie heavy. Uh, so what's next now for the band to support the record? I mean, I'm sure, like you said, you're going to do some shows locally in North Carolina. Is there any talks about you guys taking it outside of the area at all off the Atlantic yeah, coast? Yeah, or, I, mean, I would yeah. love to. I would absolutely mm -hmm. love to. It's just a matter of, uh, 
time and money, right? You know, like, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're a lot of us got day gigs, you know, we got to do sure. anything that mm-hmm. pay the bills. I wish, I wish, uh, I wish music could do that. That'd be amazing if it could. Yeah. Hard to do uh, these it, days. It, yeah, I know. <laughs> it rarely does that for most people out mm. there. Just kids, listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right? very rare this thing that you get a full ride, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you got to do what you got to do. And, um, so we're just going to see, you know, probably some extended weekends here and there. Just uh, we're just right now seeing if the, the album is getting traction. Um, we're talking hopefully to some other actual labels beyond our. We did an independent okay. release. This is uh, the Bird of the Moon came out. We put it out ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three hundred CDs initially. Okay, uh, that's all we pressed. Um, we okay. probably are going to talk to somebody and have get in cahoots with with an actual label. Okay. Uh, I don't want to name names yet because we haven't really worked it out. But um, mm. so, yeah, we, we want to obviously do some more videos, do some more promotion. Um, we'd love to get on some festivals, too, and and, and okay. come to your town if we can. It just has to make sense, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd love to get that record on vinyl if, if that comes out. Like I said, it's um, going to actually. So hopefully okay. our, um, if it doesn't happen through what we are initially, we've talked to. Uh, our, our home away from home, our, our home club in Raleigh's the Poorhouse Music Hall, and they opened up a record okay. store upstairs during oh, cool. COVID. Wow. Um, and in doing so, they also decided they were opening up a, a record pressing plant. So they've gotten two machines. Um, it's been a little slow to get mm. up and running. I guess there's a lot of stuff, obviously, to get set up to do that. I'm not complaining. Mm. But oh, I think we're going to be the second or third release they do of pressing uh, of a limited edition oh, awesome. in house. Okay local raleigh pressing of, of that album nice. which we'll make available as soon as we can through Bandcamp once that gets up and running okay. and um after that um i don't know if we do something with a, another label we'll do an imprint or somebody will put that out there but it's going to happen we're going to make that happen fantastic all right well yeah in the meantime everyone needs to check it out lie heavy burn to the moon is the record it's out now carl where should we uh send everyone to go buy the album i'm encouraging everyone you know these days to buy you know and support the artist so you can yeah. stream it on any service right now and i don't fault you mm-hmm. for doing that in fact i'd love you to listen to it and then if you just if, if it excites you and you want to contribute to the band's well-being and keep us going um it we are as we speak band camp is about to happen okay it's going to launch any day now so that's going to be um and we'll probably set up some alternate stores uh, through other means, you know, through Facebook and stuff, but um, it's going to be the band Lie Heavy at Bandcamp. So okay. lieheavy.bandcamp.com. You know? Okay. And you going to have any of those t shirts available as well that you got on right now? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, I did a little shameless <laughs> self promotion. Yes, yes. It will <laughs> yeah. also be available on Bandcamp. They, yeah. So we have uh, we have ladies' wear and men's wear and, and 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 anybody else's wear, any whatever pronoun you're using. I, you know, if a t shirt fits you, go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. fantastic man absolutely well once again lie heavy's the band burn of the moon is the record pick it up now go check it out now it's available on all streaming platforms and carl man appreciate you so much for coming on and taking some time to talk with me and uh yeah i hope to see you guys on the road i really would love to hear this stuff live man yeah, i really would be man like I, I said, it's thank, a great record thank you very very much man I'm, I'm so stoked to be doing everything i'm doing with lie heavy you know the skull leaves of doom patriarchs of black and any enough other things it just it's been it's awesome it's a great feeling to be doing this with just bringing it and playing music and i'm i'm truly grateful for your interest and everybody else's so thank you so much man